This is Football CFB, the home of unique football content. I never told you You scared off the vultures I never told you You scared off the ghosts living in my head That lay lonely in the dirt That to be joined on Football CFB by Andy Campbell. Andy played for Middlesbrough under Brian Robson, as I'm sure we will discuss. He also had a few loan spells before joining up with Cardiff City, where he's remembered as well. He played in a very exciting England under-21 side, which I'm desperate to, to find out more about as well. And he's also got his own show, the Andy Campbell Football Show, where he covers the championship down in England and also interviews many stars from the world of football. He's had Kenwyn Jones and, and many others on in recent weeks, and that's a show that you really do have to check out. First of all, Andy, how are you? I'm not bad, Cam, thank you. Uh, pleased to be on. Really looking forward to uh, to chatting about myself. You know, it's uh, it's a very, yeah, I do talk about my own career. Uh, it's nice to to look, I'm a, listen, I'm a, I'm a football fan. I love my football. I love talking about football. And to, and like you say, to, to, to run me on, Sean, to dig deep into football careers, um, it's it's amazing, you know. So I'm just, um, I'm just pleased to sometimes talk about my own because it's, um, it's nice to reminisce sometimes. Absolutely. And in terms of yourself, um, were you born in Middlesbrough? Is that the area that you grew up in? Yeah, born and bred in Middlesbrough. Um, I'm like a boomerang. I've came back um, and finally settled in. Obviously, with with, with with kids and stuff, it's nice for for them to understand about roots and and see family on a regular basis and things. But yeah, I was born and bred in Middlesbrough, so it was a I lived the dream, so to speak. And in terms of that, who were your heroes growing up that played for Middlesbrough at the time when you were a kid? Um, John Hendry, Bernie Slaven. You know, I watched. I went to Essen Park. I watched all the games. I, I used to love it when Bernie used to uh, stand on the whole gate and on the fences and celebrate. And it was just, I always wanted to emulate that dream, you know, that I always wanted to go and play at Essen Park and, and score a goal at Essen Park. When that obviously wasn't, didn't happen because obviously the new stadium got built, but football had to evolve, you know, I mean, Middlesbrough had to evolve to go to that next level. And um, I, I was lucky enough to, to train at Essen Park um, while Middlesbrough's training ground was getting built. Uh, but yeah, they were my heroes. And, and obviously to get to meet them and, and to speak to them on a regular basis and to cast them out with friends is is something quite surreal, really. And in terms of yourself, when you go into Middlesbrough as a kid, Middlesbrough in the 1990s was a really exciting place to be, as we'll come to. I mean, Brian Robson obviously comes in as a manager and many exciting players are there. But when you initially joined as a youngster, did you think there would be a realistic pathway to the first team? Uh, when I signed at 14, the club was quite in the doldrums, really. You know, Lenny Lawrence was the manager. There wasn't a big attendance. There wasn't a buzz about the place. But um, just before I signed at YTS at 16, obviously Brian came in and, and Steve Gibson had all these plans about building a new stadium, building a training ground, having aspirations about getting to the Premier League. And um, and I didn't really see a pathway, you know, because obviously they were, they were, they were signing the Anfjordsofs, the Nicky Barnbys, the Uwe Fuchs. Um, Craig Hignett was obviously in, in, in place and they had all these players and I thought well, it's going to be difficult obviously to get involved and to, and to play regular reserve games, first team games etc so I didn't really see a pathway but obviously uh, opportunities happen, um, ability comes along, takes over and, uh, and opportunities come and come and go and, and I was so fortunate to get one as, a, as, as young as I did and, and uh, I'm really pleased that I came along really. And when you think about those opportunities and the op- and the chance to sort of play for the first team, before we talk about actually playing with them, what was it like when you went up to train with them for the first time? 
Oh, it was great. You know that um, obviously being a YCS, um, I mean, I'm studying the whole gate collecting balls and doing jobs and cleaning boots and, and seeing the players on a regular basis and, and, and having conversations and things and just thinking what it would be like to, to train and, and to be involved in it on a, on a daily basis. And, the, um, and I played a few reserve games before the gaffer fully put me involved with the, with the first team training and stuff. And, uh, and it was just amazing. You know, it probably took me a few days to, to, to get, my, get my confidence and, and really feel as though that I deserved to be there. You know, that it wasn't just filling a day up, you know what I mean, or filling somebody's place up. It was it was nice to be there as a as a player that the manager saw a potential with and um and to, 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 to get opportunities and to train and to get advice and to get guidance and help from these kind of players was just phenomenal and, and fantastic. And obviously speaking about the opportunity to train at Essen Park, that was the, that the opportunity and also I basically lived a dream in, in, in more, more more than one more than one way that I've played at Essen Park on a on a daily basis and played with all these players that are classed as my heroes and aspirations as well. So it was fantastic. You, you talked about Steve Gibson and the plans to sort of revolutionise Middlesbrough with the stadium and, and also Brian Robson and, and others coming in. How quickly did that seem to, to happen from a player's perspective? Was it almost overnight? Because when people talk about Middlesbrough, there is that sense of overnight it went from being a club that was a big club, maybe underachieving to very quickly, right? We've got a decent budget, we've got a manager and we can get some of the best players in, in, in the league in. Um, it was overnight once he pressed the button, you know. I think Steve had all these plans that he obviously took the, he took the debt over. Um, he, he made them stable. Uh, he had all these plans to get in the Premier League. And then one day he decided to push the button. He decided to push the button and bring in a, a world-class manager. He decided to push the button and spend transfer fees, which Middlesbrough had never spent before. And once he pressed that button, there was no turning back. And uh, and the club hasn't 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 looked back since, you know. And the, with him still being involved now, he's, he deserves huge credit. You know, he's a, he's a Middlesbrough fan, Middlesbrough born and bred man, person. Um, human being, and he's 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 one of the nicest guys you could ever meet in football. So down to earth, and and so passionate about the football club. Because listen, he's spending his own money day in day out, month in month in, um, and uh, and really passionate about the football club. And he could have easily walked. He's pushed the club to to heights which no one would ever have dreamt. Um, being a cup final, as you were for cup final, Premier League, signing all these world class footballers, and um, and I just purely hope that he, he stays here for the for the long term and keeps investing. But it's um it's just credit to the man he is, really. One of the things that's interesting about us talking today is it's twenty-five years to the day since you you made your debut. I mean, you make your debut as a teenager, literally age sixteen, you are you are a teenager at heart, you know. I mean, you're you're going through you'd, that's the sort of age where I think back to myself. I'm I'm twenty-five now. I think when I was sixteen, I was worrying about exams and all that kind of things, whereas when you were 16, you, you, you were representing the team that you loved. Just put in towards how that felt. Uh, well, first of all, I didn't know it was 25 years today. I didn't obviously keep in care. It's just scary how things have evolved. But yeah, 16 years old. I obviously left school not long before that date. Um, you know, I, I didn't do great at school. So it was nice to go into a profession and an opportunity, which I, I was I was decent at. I was good at. I had, I had a passion for. And listen, I, I went to that game thinking I was, I was doing jobs like I did on the morning of the game. I cleaned boots. I put the kit out on the morning of the game like I... Like that was my job was, and um, but all, the plan from the manager was that I was always going to be involved in the game and I was always going to be on the bench, but he kept it quiet until um, the last minute of the pre-match meal, and I was gobsmacked. Um, obviously, my family knew about it because it was all spoke about with the manager and things with my mum and dad, which is which is just it's a phenomenal uh, thing to do, you know that the that the plan was put in place by the manager, the coaching staff, and the football club, and um, and it, it kept the pressure off me, and I warmed up, I, I sampled the atmosphere, I, I was lucky enough to get about ten minutes worth of football. 
towards the end of the game and, and to, to play for my, my hometown club in front of my family, my friends at the Riverside Stadium was just phenomenal. And that's not to add in against the Premier League side, live on Sky, you know, that it's what dreams are made of, you know. And I, I put something on social media this morning about about dreams do come true because you know what they do. And if you work hard enough, then th- these dreams are realities. You know, it's not... It's, I was I was never graced with with pure ability. I, I, there's footballers who had far more natural ability than me, but I worked harder than anybody else, and I wanted that more than anybody. And I would have done anything what it took to uh, to get where I got. And in terms of Brian Robson, he's an icon. He was the Manchester United and England captain. He achieved so much as a player, but what was he like as as a manager? Because he, he's someone who was willing to give players like yourself who were young. An opportunity. So, was he the sort of manager that even if you were established or you were a young lad, he would treat everyone the same? Um, oh yeah, he was, he was like a, like a dad to me. You know, I mean, my football dad um, still is. You know, that I, when I speak to him, he's he's always there to, to advise, to guide, and and he was always the same. You know, he put his arm on my shoulder uh, when I needed it. Um, he gave me a kick up the backside and volleying when I needed it as well. So I knew he always kept me on my toes. It wasn't a favouritism. He he treated everybody the same. You know, nobody was bigger than the football club. You know what I mean? You were. You were given enough rope to, to hang yourself, so to speak, and to make mistakes. But at the same time, when you did, he would tell you that it was wrong. He would tell you how to make it right. He would tell you that um, that he's been in, the, in that situation himself and he's been there and wore the T-shirt. And it was so refreshing and, and so good to uh, to have somebody there who's, who's been there at the top level. Um, who's had injuries, who's had good times, he's had bad times, he's had mistakes. And, um, and just always there to lean on. But first and foremost, he was just a lovely person and still is. And... And still, you know, I'm still calling Gaffer to this day, and, and I always will because he gave me that opportunity, and he was always my manager. There was always a, a mutual respect, and, and that'll never change. I want to ask you about the two the two Brazilians who were in the team. Um, well, there's more, but the, the main two Brazilians I would say in the team at the time when, when you're making your debut, and you're in and, in and around it, Janinho and Emerson. What were they like as individuals, and obviously as players, they were fantastic. But how did they settle into that squad? I mean, especially on T side. Uh, well, Janino came in first, and obviously um, at, at the time the gaffer was assistant manager at Teddy Venables with the England setup, and I think they played a mini tournament at Wembley when Janino scored a free kick, and and that's when the, the the link came, and obviously the signing came straight after that, and he settled in really well considering he was came he came on his own, obviously brought his family down, and, and living in a in an area which isn't notorious for its football, um, it's not obviously the the nicest and prettiest area to live in. You know what I mean? It's a small town in in comparison to to what what what, what, what the rest of the UK. Um, and he took it like a duck in the water. He, he, he loved it. He was so passionate. He, he, he trained very hard. It was, it was refreshing for a young player to watch that he was the first on the training ground, the last off it. Um, loved the club. He, he tried new things. He, I learned so much from him as a, as a person, as a footballer. Um, and then obviously, when Emerson came in, it was probably easier for him because he had that. He had that friend. He had that. He had that. Um, he had the person to lean on if he had needed it in Janino. And, and the both were just phenomenal on the pitch. That the, the, the links they did. The, 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 the combine, the combined play, oh, they, they were just a, a joy to watch, and just always played with a smile on the face. And you know, what I mean, that's training ground games, win, lose or draw. You know that they, they didn't take life too seriously. They were very talented at what they did, and and it just it just made life and made made at the time what was going on on and off the pitch of the football club very easy to handle because obviously it wasn't a good time as well with getting relegated and things and, and cup finals and defeats and things. So you know, I mean, for them to to have a smile constant on the face made football a joy really. And, and in terms of the relegation from the Premier League, one of the things that's admirable about Steve Gibson, in my opinion, is the fact that he didn't panic when the club went down from the Premier League. He invested, he backed his manager. You bring in a player in Paul Merson who who was absolutely fantastic. And he's a big character, as we all know, but 
a phenomenal footballer and he ended up going to, to the World Cup at the end of that year, even though he was he was playing in the, the old first division, as they call it. What was he like in and around the, the squad that year? And then pair him up with Paul Gascoigne as well. And I imagine you've got madness on the park, but also off it as well. Yeah, well, listen, you know what I mean? It, it went from one extreme to the other, you know, that we, we're getting relegated. You're a bit doom and gloom. You're thinking all the big stars are going to leave, which they did. But then he brought in a, an influx of stars. And for me, probably more relatable, you know what I mean? Because obviously the gaffer had worked with these kind of players in England. They're still England at the Nationals. They've come from the Premier League. They've somehow dropped down to the to Division One Stroke Championship uh, currently. Um, and they were... The, the, they had a real insight about how to get out of it. You know what I mean? Then, like, Merce now is notorious for getting out of the championship. He's like a Neil Warnock, so to speak, of the championship. He's been out of it so many times and, and just knows how to do it. And he was phenomenal. You know, he he, he, he was very calm and influence um, on the pitch and off the pitch. He was he was laughing and joker, you know what I mean? And someone who's had the problems, you know, that he was he was very insightful for young young players and, and told us how to... How to do things right, you know that how how uh, how how handle ourselves. You know what I mean? We all we were all young. We all make mistakes both on the pitch and off the pitch. And he was he was fantastic. And then obviously when Gaza came into play, um, it, yeah, it was it was a recipe for success. Um, and it just made it made things more fun. You know that things were going well on the pitch, things were a laugh and a joke off the pitch. And it was a, it was a fantastic fine time for the football club. And, and it was it was very enjoyable season after after a really tough season the season before. And in terms of that championship winning campaign, before we talk about it uh, uh, in more detail, you played and, and scored in quite a few of the cup games that season. How 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 good does it feel when you're hitting the back of the net as a forward-thinking player? I know that's a very obvious question, but as a fan, I always wonder what does it feel like when that ball hits the back of the net and there's a crowd there to to, to be cheering your name. Oh, well, it was a bit of the first season. Uh, obviously, most most came it was a, my first goal against uh, against Sunderland in the in the old League Cup. So I think it was a call call cup back then, and it was uh, the feeling, the noise. Um, I think I I remember that the noise of the ball hitting the back of the net. You know, what I mean, even though there was thirty five thousand fans there in the local derby, it was an absolutely phenomenal feeling. And then the noise of the fans, and and then trying to get yourself ready for the rest of the game. You know, because you've still got a job to do. It's not just about scoring goals and then coming off and. And then enjoying it, you know. I mean, you've got to run around. You've got to you've got to try and handle yourself. Your, the adrenaline. It was absolutely brilliant. And then to to get the more opportunities in that season was was great. To score more goals was great. And and it gave you a hunger. It certainly gave me a hunger and an appetite to want to do it again and get that feeling more and more because you know when I mean, people start to notice you're off the pitch, um, the feeling you get yourself um, on the pitch is, is is no better. You know, the the feeling of scoring a goal against. Against any team, um, you know what I mean. If you if you're 40 year old, if you're 16 year old, it's just the best feeling in the world, and you want to continue it and do it more and more. Being a local lad in that season where the club is promoted back to the Premier League, how did it feel for you? Because I always think, and I've said this to so many players that I've been fortunate enough to interview, when you are promoted or you win a title at any level. It means you have to be a special team, especially in that sort of old first division championship, obviously as we call it now, because there are so many games Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. As I say, as a local lad, put into words how proud you are of that season in particular. Ah, phenomenal. You know, it's forty-six league game season plus all the cup games to throw into it. So you're probably looking at fifty, if not sixty games that season. And it was a, it was a long slog. You know, what I mean, games week in, week out, midweekers, uh, Saturdays, Sundays, some Friday nights. You know, Mondays. It was. It was a long slog, you know. I mean, and training on top of it, but the games were the games were enjoyable because we had a really good group. We were focused. We had a we had an end goal. We've been hurt the season before, and for a local boy, you know, I mean, the medal that I've got, the promotion medal, is is I, I, it holds in great esteem for me because I'm so proud of it because it got my club back 
to the Premier League where they deserve. You know what I mean? The club did deserve to be in the in the in, in the Championship or Division One at the time. You know what I mean? We should have been back in the Premier League with, with the season and the players that we had. But we took a step back to move forward again. And um, and I say that that medal is is, is it takes pride of place in the house because I'm so proud of it. And when the the club is promoted and, and you've got your medal, you're feeling really good about things. How do you feel when the next season you, you go out and loan to Sheffield United? Was was that bittersweet in any way or was it the right thing to do at that time? Um, well, obviously, I remember obviously the manager pulling me and, uh, and signing, signing big players again. We had to go in, in the transfer market and, and, and buy the next level, you know. Um, so when you're signing the likes of Alan Boxic and you're signing the Mikel Becks and things, it's... I'm going to get less time on the pitch, you know, Ravinelli's. I'm going to start, I'm going to get less less time. So when the manager said uh, there's an opportunity to go to uh, Sheffield United, obviously Steve Bruce is um, the gaffer's good friend. He said he'll look after you. You'll get some game time. You'll you'll play in front of a big crowd. And I, I, I jumped at the chance and uh, loved my first month. Unfortunately, I got injured in my first month, so I had to come back and then go back again. And I, I loved it. It gave me it gave me a real insight of what it's like to be a regular first team player, week on week, game on game. And and uh, it really gave me an insight of, um, of of how important loan spells are. And I'm a big advocate for, for loan spells as long as the, um, the three-year progression, you know, it's not just a, a season to get you out. And, you know what I mean, it's for, it's for one thing, it's for playing games. And I, I absolutely adored it and uh, would certainly do it again if I could, if I turn the clock back. You, you mentioned the, the importance of loan spells. You clearly learn a lot. You, you obviously go back to Middlesbrough as well. And then there was a famous picture that, that was posted in social media recently of Stephen Gerrard, Rio Ferdinand, Gareth Barry, Emil Heskey, Lee Hendry, Kieran Dyer, Jamie Carragher, Frank Lampard and others. And yourself, Andy, you're in that photograph for the England under-21s. Just sum up what it was like being called up for England at that level, because we know, and, and, and this is no disrespect to people I've interviewed before as well, a lot of players can have maybe represented England at schoolboy level or 16s or 17s, and of course they're very proud of that, and so they should be. But to do it at under-21 level, which obviously is a level just under the full international setup, really takes some doing. Sum up those experiences, because not many players can say they've been able to do that. No, listen, that, that photo is um, very famous, obviously, for, for various reasons. Obviously, Lee Hendry, obviously, being on um, Harry's Heroes and things, it became even more famous. But for me personally, I, I'd scored on the Saturday against Sheffield Wednesday, and I wasn't in the 21 squad. Um, originally, uh, but I'd, I'd, I'd had a really good game on the Saturday. I scored the winning goal against Sheffield Wednesday in the Premier League, and the manager uh, and Steve pulled me upstairs after the game. and And Howard Wilkinson and Kevin Keegan had called me into the squad, and and uh, it was a great experience. I wasn't expecting to play. I'll be perfectly honest. Uh, you know what I mean? You see the players around and and, and around the group, and um, it was it was it was fab to be around. But then when the manager told me I was playing the day before, um, I wanted to snatch it with both hands. And you see the photo. You see, you know, how can you fail as a footballer when you've got Firepower, midfielders, wingers, defenders, the person I'm playing alongside in the meal. How can you fail in that game and, and not and not play well? You know that you know. I mean, the result might not have gone the way, but um, if, if if the game had gone the other way, but you know, what I mean, I'm playing up front with a with a with a perfect strike partner, someone who can is big and strong, can win headers, I can go to the side. I've got uh, Frank Lampard, Stevie G putting balls through. I mean, I've got Lee Hendry on one side, Kieran Dyer on the other. It was an absolute dream, and you know, I, mean, I was I was in positions. I was so tired in the game because I'm doing so much running because I'm getting perfect balls put to me, and that's not saying I'm not, I wasn't getting that week in week out of Middlesbrough. But I'm playing playing with the best of the best now um, of England, and those players who went on to the other level. It was absolutely phenomenal experience, and to play, to score in Barcelona, to put my country um, into the Euros, and to play a big part. It, it gave me so much confidence, and and made me believe that I deserved to be on that photo. You know, I mean, people. 
you know what I mean, can laugh and can joke and can say various things. And it's jealousy because, you know what I mean, I knew I deserved to be on that photo. I knew I deserved to be on that pitch and uh, my performance of that time and that season and that game uh, proved that. When you uh, talk about that time, it's clear that the pride that you've got, and as I say, rightly so, because all these people, as you've said, that can try and poke fun, at the end of the day, not many people get to do that. So you're always going to have that proof and that uh, that that goal and, and those memories to, to show for it. We talked about some of the names on there, Rio, Frank, Stephen Gerrard. What were those guys like at that age? Could you could you see that inner drive and determination to make them go on to achieve the careers that they had? Because it's it, so often we've seen pictures of, of, of teams where, like the one that comes to mind right away is Freddie Adu, the, the, guy, the, the kid from America who was in trial at Manchester United and all the top sides in Europe, and he maybe didn't go on to have the career that many expected, whereas... When you look at that photograph, pretty much all of you have went on into a really, really top career. So was that obvious when you worked with them at that time that they would go on to have a top career? Oh, 100%. I, I think the surprising thing uh, was that we were allowed to to have all of those players in that group to, for, for that game. You know, I know I know the manager at the time for the seniors, Kevin Keegan, was at the game. He wanted... Um, he wanted the 21s to progress to the next level. I think half of that group didn't go to Slovakia in the summer because um, they went to the World Cup with, with with Kevin, which was absolutely fantastic experience. You know, like the Emils, you know what I mean? Playing for Leicester, signing for Liverpool. Obviously, Rio, world transfer fees. Stevie, phenomenal career. Um, Jamie Carrick, yeah, you can go on. Kieran Dyer, Lee Hendries, every, Gareth Barrys, everybody played in the Premier League. Everybody of uh, that lot, you know what I mean, got big transfer fees, moved on to bigger and better things. And, and it was just an absolutely amazing time. You just knew the way that the players handled themselves, the way that they trained, um, how much they demanded from each other, um, how much quality they had in the squad, you know, that we went to the, we went to the, to the Euros in the summer. We didn't go with half of that 11, half of the squad who went there, but we still had a world-class side and probably did underachieve in, in, in the tournament. Like, I think a lot of the teams did England at the time because of for whatever reason, we just didn't fulfil our, our potential. But I knew the Franks, the Stevies, the, Steve, the Jamie Carragher's, the Emils, the Lee Hendrys, Gareth Barry's, they were all going to have phenomenal careers because they just handled themselves with just finesse week in, week out. You know what I mean? They were so calm and collected and, and it was just a, a great time for me personally to be involved in, uh, in, in, with players like those. You, you talked about confidence being key. When you've had that experience of playing alongside players like that, does that help you when you go back to your club with Middlesbrough? Because you think to yourself, right, I've been away with the under-21s, I've performed well, I've scored, I, I've achieved something there that when you get back you feel, right, I can translate this into club football now. Oh, totally. I was um, I was walking on water when I went back. I was uh, full of confidence. I was I was loving life on and off the pitch. It was um, it was a great time for me personally, and I was just um, I was just so proud because um, listen, I had uh, I had short term goals in my career. I wanted to play for Middlesbrough. I wanted to play for my country um, at whatever level. You know, schoolboy under twenty ones to play in that. Obviously, I wanted to play for the full squad. Didn't didn't materialise, but I was so proud and. Um, and I was untouchable at the time. It was just an absolute fantastic time for me personally and uh, and something that no one could ever take away, like I said earlier. And in terms of playing in the, in the Premier League or the Premiership, as it, as it used to be known, of course, um, what, what were those experiences like? Because you've played in the, the, the Championship and or the old First Division. You've also played in the top flight. What are the differences between the Championship and the Premier League? Because a lot of people talk about there being a difference, but... As fans, you, you, you maybe we don't maybe understand it the way that you do, having been on the pitch. Um, I, I, I think you get more time on the ball in the Premier League. Um, but the defenders, the defenders uh, are, are tighter. You know what I mean? You've got to have that little bit extra. You can't just probably 
um, from, for example, I had, I had pace, but you know what I mean? I, I needed to have more than pace in the Premier League, whereas pace over the top and pace in the channels in the championship worked. Um, but you, as I say, you get more time on the ball, but people give you more time on the ball because they're waiting for things to happen. But if you make a mistake, you get punished in the Premier League, whereas in the championship, you might get away with one or two um, at a time, you know? So it's I think that the higher you go, you get more time on the ball, but it's just, in the championship, it's so hustle and bustle. It's absolutely... Um, Week in week out, it's hundred mile an hour, uh, and it's um, it's yeah, it's but it's so enjoyable as well because it's you just know every game's going to be different and tactics sometimes goes out the window because of effort and enthusiasm and, and pace of the game. I want to take you to two thousand and two, and I want to read out this following team: Bartes, Neville, Blanc, Phil Neville, uh, Sylvester, Walwork, Keane, but Chadwick, Skull, Solskjaer, and the subs were Van Nistelrooy, Giggs, Carroll, York, and O'Shea. You scored that day as Middlesbrough beat Manchester United 2-0 yeah. in, in the FA Cup. What are your memories of that occasion? Because when I read out that Manchester United team, yes, you could say one or two were rested, but you're talking about the likes of Roy Keane, Gary Neville, uh, Scholes, so many top, top players on the pitch. How proud are you of that occasion, not only as a player, but as a Middlesbrough fan? Um, yeah, for well, for various reasons, it was, it was my last ever goal for Middlesbrough. Um, obviously, Steve McLaren had, had came in as manager, um, uh, and he, he told me in non, no uncertain terms that that I wasn't in his plans, which is which is absolutely fine. I took it on the chin. I worked hard. I wanted to get an opportunity to prove it wrong, and uh, and I got a couple of games, which is which is the Man United game. And uh, I remember uh, when the manager was, was 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 reading the team out, and he and he and he named some changes, and it it gave the lads a boost a little bit that we, that that a few younger players were getting a chance, and and probably the the subs bench was was so busy and and, and so experienced, but they still had world class players on the pitch, and um, and we had to work really hard. We frustrated, and we we got opportunities towards the second half, and as as a middle fan, it was great to sit there and 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 watch us frustrate Man United and get on top a little bit. But when I got my opportunity on the pitch, I wanted to to make something happen, you know, if that was going to be my last uh, my last game, um, then I wanted to, to go off on a high and uh, I managed to get the second goal, which was obviously the clincher and uh, obviously Noel Whelan got the first goal and Dean Winters has crossed from my head. It was it was fantastic to score past, uh, to pass Man United as a dream, you know, I've been lucky enough to do it twice for Middlesbrough and, and to score past two world-class goalkeepers in Bosnich and a World Cup winner in Bartes, it's, uh, it's what dreams are made of and, you know, I mean, my celebration for that Man United goal was just... It's going going mad because I I think I knew back then I knew on that day that that was probably my my final goal because I think my my, my opportunities were limited I'd, I'd already spoke to a couple of clubs about about leaving Middlesbrough a couple of days before so I wanted to make it special for myself. Following Middlesbrough when you leave the club permanently, Cardiff City and Ninian Park is your is your next home and you couldn't have got off to a better start. You scored six goals in your first four appearances. You scored on debut. Uh, you scored a brace in your third game and then you get a hat trick in your fourth. What was what was that period of time like for you? Was it just the the buzz and excitement of proving yourself at a new club that helped you go on that purple patch? What what do you think helped? What do you think caused that to happen? Uh, I think Lenny Lawrence had a, had, a, had a big impact. Um, obviously, Lenny was uh, my Middlesbrough at uh, my manager at Middlesbrough at the time when I signed at fourteen. So I knew him. I knew Graham Kavanagh. Um, I knew a couple of other players at uh, at the time. So I settled in really easily. It was it was like I'd gone from home from home. I'd Ninian Park was like Ayrson Park, you know what I mean? That, that there was so similar, so many similarities at the time. It was it was great. And um, at the first game, Northampton, I scored, uh, scored my my first goal, which was great. I wasn't as fit as I wanted to be, so it took me a couple of probably a couple of games. My first home game, I scored two, I think, against Blackpool, and 
Um, and then the Oldham game, we, we won 7 1. I scored, uh, scored three, three past uh, Andy Gorham, who was one of my heroes as well, growing up, obviously, being the Rangers goalkeeper. It was, it was great, but it was just a, a dream, you know, that, that everything I was touching was scoring goals. I was, I was feeling good on the pitch. I was, I was, I was walking on water off it. Um, and then, obviously, the, the, the transfer fee was agreed. I, I moved full time. And, and then I really, I just settled in. I just, I felt like a proper player. You know, I, mean, I wasn't classed as a young player anymore. I was classed as a professional footballer for once. And um, life was going, going good off the pitch. I'd, my daughter was being, my daughter was born in Cardiff, um, in, in Wales. So it was, it was, it was absolutely fantastic. Loved my life, and uh, and football was really, really enjoyable as well. Who were the big characters in that Cardiff team? Because at Middlesbrough, we talked about the likes of Janino, Emerson, Merson, Gascoigne. There's obviously Mark. There's so many top, top names we could have talked. We've talked about obviously with Middlesbrough and so many other top names we could have added to the list as well. But who were the big characters when you go to Cardiff? One that that I, I'm just assuming was a big character was Graham Kavanagh because he always seemed like a leader. Is that a fair a fair assessment? Oh yeah, huge, huge. Cav, uh, Cav ran the ran the team on the pitch and off it. You know, he, he ran the dressing room. He ran everything on the pitch. Um, he was a leader, um, someone you can go and talk to, go to his house and um, and have a good chat with, and 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 he would help you no ends. And and, and to this day, good friend of mine. Um, but you can go through. It, it was a sleeping giant because we were a league, um, a league one side, plus drug league two at the time, um, division two at the time, trying to get where they want to be. But the Robert Earnshaws, the Danny Gabadons, the James Collins, the Spencer Priors, the Peter Thorns, Graham Kavanagh, they spent a hell of a lot of money to try and get out of the division. And and luckily enough, we did it. Uh, if we hadn't done it that day, I think uh, the club wouldn't be where they are now. You know, I know disrespect to. To the football club, but they invested a lot in us, uh, and we we probably failed in the first year. We got beaten in the semi final of the playoffs by Stoke City um, in the last kick of the game. So I think to to get promoted um, the way that we did in Cardiff for Cardiff was just a, a dream, really. You you talk about the promotion at the Millennium Stadium. I want you to talk me through that day from your perspective because you start on the bench, and obviously um, Robert Earnshaw, who was in form and scoring lots of goals, gets the nod, which you, you might think differently, but some people might say, right, okay, fair enough, he started the game. But when you come on to replace him, talk talk me through it from there because the game's nil nil. There's so much riding on it, as you've mentioned. Cardiff are trying to win promotion at the the national stadium in Cardiff. Just just talk me through the rest in extra time. Well, I, I, to be honest, I was lucky that I, I was involved in the game. I had an operation, um, and the operation was planned basically to get me fit for the playoffs. So I was pleased that I'd, I'd declared myself fit for the semi final. I'd, I'd struggled a little bit, but um, so I was fully expecting to be uh, to be sub at best. So when the manager named the team, I fully expected Ernie to play because he scored. I think 37, 40 goals that, that year and, and deserved his place. But the game just didn't work out for him for whatever reason. And that happens in games of football. And um, Clark Carlisle and Danny Shitton defending really well. And uh, I remember the manager after about an hour told me to warm up and, um, and told me I was coming on, which which was great. I, th- I thought I was going to play wide. He told me I'm going through the middle and, and then he's coming off. And it was the it was the, the fans' reaction uh, which, um, which got me. Um, the fans were um, very... Amused and and uh, and he was very unaware of of, of 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 what was happening. You know that the fans were questioning it by being very vocal and questioning me uh, and and the manager at the time, Lenny Lawrence. And uh, and I think it was a big brave call by the manager. And, and if it hadn't worked out, you know what I mean, it could have gone uh, could could have gone very wrong for him. But you know what I mean. The the rest of the ninety was was very surreal. You know what I mean. It was a bit of game of, game of chess, bit of cat and mouse. You know what I mean. There wasn't wasn't many chances, but. 
when it went into extra time, I thought to myself, do you know what? I'm fresh. I'm feeling good. You know, my injury was, was very clear and, and cleaned up. And um, and I thought, do you know what? These defenders are going to tire. You know, I mean, the longest game goes, I've, I've got my pace. I've got an opportunity and, um, and I'm going to take it. You know, I'm going to get one chance and, and I need to take it. And when that chance came over the top, uh, I had my pace and I, I just I just thought, you know, I mean, they, they were a bit leggy and uh, the ball just sat beautifully for me and just lofted over Chris Day's head, and just of his head, and he got fingertips to it, but it hit the back of the net. And the noise, the noise at the Millennium Stadium, Callum was just absolutely amazing. Um, you know, I just, I, I, if I remember one thing from the day, it was the noise of the fans, and and you know, I mean, the last six minutes of extra time, I can't really remember much about it. I didn't touch the ball. I don't think I watched videos again. I was running about like a headless chicken and didn't do a lot, but. Managed to hold on and and celebrate very well after because it was it was it was uh, it was a job well done from the group but it was just great for me to be uh, to be the person who got the goal. Being the person that gets the goal, just how do you feel when you're you're obviously celebrating in the pitch? You're caught up in the the euphoria of the noise where everyone's going mental, players, manager, fans, of course. But when you're sitting in the dressing room or on the team coach, maybe an hour or so later, how does it feel or when does it sink in? what the club has achieved, but also what you've achieved by scoring that goal in that game? Uh, I don't think it's sunk in with the players. Uh, that was a, that was a Sunday game. I didn't sink into the players until the Tuesday. We were given uh, the Monday off. Uh, and we, we, we came in the Tuesday for a for a meeting with the, with the manager and, 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 and things with the rest of the players. And, and we all sat around a table and we just discussing about what, what we did on the Sunday night and what we did on the Monday and who had the worst hangover and, 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 and whatnot. But it was just a... We all just realised that we'd, we'd we'd achieved something special in the city, which deserves Championship draw Premier League football, you know, and uh, and um, and we all went out on the Tuesday for a drink, and how how supporters were with us, and and they told us that that, that goal will never be forgotten, and, and and we'll all be heroes, and you take it with a pinch of salt, really, because you think, ah, listen, the football fans are going to say that, and but listen, it's been what 17, 18 years since that day, and that goal, and that and, and that team is remembered more now, more famously than they were probably at the time, and. And um, and it's fantastic because as a group of players, it's it's nice to be remembered fondly for for a good time and a good spell at the club because we worked hard for that moment and and we we thoroughly deserved it because yeah, we had heartache the season before against uh, against Stoke City and uh, we all said before the game we had five minutes to reflect before the game and we said listen we can't afford that to happen again um, we we've been through it we 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 remember the hurt and the upset and we we made sure that we uh, we got over the line that year and in terms of getting over the line and getting back to the championship it, it must have been a great feeling but for you what was what was the years after that promotion winning goal at Cardiff because you know what it's like managers bring in new players and when you go up a division sometimes they maybe change the style of play from what they had the year before um it was probably for, for my Cardiff crew it's probably the worst thing that I could have done was scoring that goal because um they, they they had to go and spend money because they had to go and invest in a in, in some new personnel, bigger squad. So they went and signed a couple of players. Alan Lee came in on big money. Um, they signed another another couple of wide players. John Robinson came in. Richard Langley came in from uh, from QPR. So my game time was limited, which was frustrating. I wanted to wanted to stay there. I had a couple of opportunities to move, which I I decided to turn down to stay and play at the level that 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 I wanted to play at. I didn't want to drop down again. Um, and probably the mistake that I made was was, was probably staying and being a bit loyal. That, um, but it happens when you make decisions in football. And, um, and obviously Lenny ended up losing his job. Dave Jones came in, and um, obviously quite famously, me and Dave didn't get on. Um, he told me quite publicly to myself, I didn't, I didn't, 
he didn't like me. I didn't really like him too much. And 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 it's just part of football. It's part of part of life. And and you, and you get on, you move on. But um, I love my time at Cardiff. I've got no regrets. Um, I, I I wouldn't turn. I wouldn't change anything if I went back and had, had to turn the clock back. I'm going to the next question. I'm going to ask you. I'm going to take take the fact it's you. Take the fact it's Dave Jones out of this, right? But as a player, when your manager uh, is basically saying that he doesn't want you at the club or whatever, you've still got a couple of years in your contract or whatever left. How do you handle that? Forget is it as a footballer here, but as a person, because you know yourself, you're you're trying your best, you're training hard, you want to play for that club, but somebody for whatever reasons got a preconceived thought that you're not good enough or that you just don't fit their plans for whatever reason. As a human being, forget the footballer for a moment, as a human being, how do you deal with that? Um, very, very difficult. It's very tough because you're only a footballer in a day's terms, but a couple of hours, you know, so it's, but you can't go home and forget about it because then you've got the next day. You know what I mean? When you're training on your own, um, it's just constant. You know what I mean? Everything's, every day, is, you don't look forward to the next day. You've got no games to look forward to. You've got no... No people to talk to. No, no. There's no fun. There's no enjoyment. Um, it's so frustrating, so annoying. Um, you, you can't really walk away. I'd, I'd invested too much time and effort. My family was settled. My daughter was born at my house. Um, that you can't just switch off and go. Right, it's fine. I'll leave. I'll move. I'll, I'll, I'll just pack my bags. It's just not as easy as that. And um, I wanted an opportunity. I wanted to prove that I wanted to play for the club. You know what I mean? It wasn't. I, I, I love the area. I love the city. I love the fans. I love the club. I love my teammates. Um, my family was settled, so I, I didn't want to leave. But when somebody tells you that you that you're not involved in the in the in the day to day running um, of that team and um, and fans and, and and games, it's 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 really hard to take because it hits you mentally, it hits you physically, um, uh, and then you realise that that the day's got to come that you've got to think and move and uh, and life's going to change because uh, because football just moves on. One of the things that you've said there that really resonates with me is location because that's something that I'll hold my hands up as a football fan until maybe in recent years when I've started to, to speak to many players and, and managers, I've not really properly, I think, taken into account. I think as fans, it's very easy when a player's maybe told that they should leave or whatever it may be to say, oh, they should just go, they've got an offer from wherever. Just they should they should go and move on a fresh challenge. But when you think about having a wife, you think about having kids. It's 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 easier said than done to have to swap one end of the country for the other. And Cardiff in particular is quite a unique location. So when you are making your next move, how did you how did you handle trying to organise that? Because with with as a guy with kids, it must be it must be hard and it must play on your mind when you're considering where to go next. Yeah, well, I was looking. I was looking, and obviously talking to family, and 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 telling my wife to go back home, back to Middlesbrough, and just I mean, you 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 base yourself back there, and and I'll stay in Cardiff, and wherever I go, um, we'll just we'll I can either try and commute if it's close, um, or we can we can look to to start over again. We'll sell the house, and and just 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 decisions and and, and conversations which I've never 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 had before, and, and never really wanted to have, and you know what I mean? You're so upset, you know what I mean? That she. That, that my family, my, my my wife at the time, um, was was happy with friends. You know, what I mean, she she'd made some really nice connections there and 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 loved the area. And then all of a sudden, their life changed overnight as well, which which causes its own problems and and causes a little bit of upset and upset and distress uh, and things there. And it's yeah, so difficult. You know that uh, I couldn't I couldn't have moved from one extreme to the other. I left Cardiff uh, and went up to Scotland, so I'd moved from one country um, through another country to another country. You know, so it's you know, I mean, and I left within. 12 hours you know that I'd signed um, 
I'd signed my, my deal at uh, Dunfermline in Cardiff. Um, I packed my bags and then drove straight up up the country to go in there and go in there. I left obviously my uh, my wife and my daughter at the time um, in Cardiff. They drove to Middlesbrough themselves when they when they settled in a couple of days and packed packed the house up. You know, which, which which I felt horrible about, but I'm there to go and do a job and and um, and I moved uh, to a club to go and do what I needed to do, which was a which was an opportunity for me and something that I was really relishing. You know, it was a uh, it was a club that was really interesting to me. You know, I mean, the, 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 at the time they were, they were in a semi final of a cup, uh, they were fighting relegation, playing some big games against obviously the old firm and, and some other big sides in Scotland. So it was a, a good opportunity for me to go and platform in a in a in a in another in a, another league. And in terms of um, Dunfermline as a club, you you go there and it is a new challenge. Honestly, how how do you reflect on it now? Um, it's an opportunity that that that, that I didn't regret, um, and I, I would never regret. It was a it was a it was a good club. It it opened my eyes. Uh, obviously, the standards of Scottish football. It wasn't probably as as high as what I thought. Apart from obviously the um, the big two, maybe three or four at the time. Um, obviously, when the split happened, it wasn't really that enjoyable. That you're playing against teams in and around bottom six, and the the, the standard of football is not great. Uh, you know, I mean, the attendances aren't great. You've got no, 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 nothing to look forward to really in terms of that. Obviously, the cup final, which was my final game for. For Dunfermline against Celtic was 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 fantastic experience. Obviously, the result wasn't great, but you're not really expected to win much against uh, against those kind of guys. But uh, well, yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a, it was a good time in my career. I, I, I loved my time. It didn't football wise, it didn't go great, but but I I really bought into it. Loved the city, loved Scotland, um, loved all my time at Dunfermline, and, and the players were fantastic as well. I've got to ask you about Jim Leishman. Just just what you like to work with because he's a an absolute icon up here in Scotland. Ah, oh, he's phenomenal. Listen, he's so passionate um, about what he does. Is um, and you know, I really enjoyed and really embraced all my all my time there. You know, what I mean, if it wasn't for him, I probably wouldn't have enjoyed it as much and, and settled that settled in as much. You know, his his training was great. Every day was drift was different. His laughing and joking. You know, he had a really good group. And and I think if it wasn't for him, I don't think that the, the, the team and the group would have been as successful because you know he was very passionate off it. You know, what I mean, he got himself into some trouble with with the way that he reacts. But yeah, listen, he's a he's a legend of that club. He's a legend in Scottish football, and rightly so because he's a he's a top guy. And and the other thing that again, but again, I, I keep going back to this, but fans maybe don't fully appreciate is is the impact that an injury can have on you. You leave them Femlin, um, you have an injury, and then from there you're. Career goes from being a football league career or a top flight in Scotland career to to, to being more at a non league level because of obviously of your, of your body at that time. How do you cope with that change? Because Paul Merson has has famously went on record as saying the only difference he felt as he got older was that in his head everything was the same, but the body just couldn't keep up. Yeah, it's it, it, it was overnight for me as well. You know, I had I had two real serious injuries at Halifax. I'd uh, I'd snapped knee ligament injuries and ruptured my Achilles. And um, the second one, especially the Achilles, that the surgeon told me that um, I couldn't really I couldn't play full time anymore. And it was that, that I remember the drive home after that. It was that was horrific. That was uh, that was life changing. It was it was it was where do I go now? What do I do next? You know, where's my support mechanisms? You know what I mean? Like family is always going to be there, but I. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to burden them. You know what I mean? I, it was. It was. It was so tough, and it was so hard to to explain the conversations I've just had with people. And and part of me thought I want to prove people wrong. I want to be a professional. I'm going to show people that that they're wrong. But at the same time, I'm thinking I've got young kids. I I want to be able to walk again when I'm older. I want to be able to play with them. I don't want to be walking with a stick or with crutches or, or worse. So I, I thought, you know what? Life's too short. I've had a I've had a great career. I really enjoyed it. Um, I need to plan ahead and I need to plan something different and, and I need to listen to what people are telling me because they're the experts. 
I, I, I want to prove people wrong, but I'm not a doctor. I'm not an expert. And when the time comes that your playing career ends, how do you cope with that mentally? Because, again, Merson, Paul Gascoigne, Dean Windass, many others have admitted that they've struggled to cope when the joy of Saturday 3 o'clock is taken away from them. They can't really replicate that. Was that something you found as time went on or were you able to find something to fill that void? Um, well, I think one uh, one thing that I do regret in my life, not, not in football, is is that I didn't uh, I didn't really buy into school. You know what I mean? Qualifications and things, and 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 any advice that I would give to a young footballer who's going to be the best player in the world, or or who's not the best player in the world, like 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 I wasn't that leave school with qualifications and stuff, um, because you don't know when you're going to need to leave them. You don't know and to need them and back up and have and have a backup plan because they're so important. You know that I decided to go back to university. I wanted to to do something and see what I wanted to do, you know, but I got turned down at university because I didn't have GCSEs. So, you know I mean? Even, even the, the, the career I had, the life experience I had, I had to go and get those, those GCSEs. So I had to go to night school, which was a year, took a year up in my life, you know, which was, which was tough. You know, I've gone back to, to doing something which I wasn't comfortable in, um, different lifestyle. And then, then I went to uni, um, loved it. It's something different. I was, I was learning about my body. I was learning how to, uh, probably the the things that I wish that I knew about myself, um, you know what I mean, what 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 it take to make me healthier, um, how my body worked, um, the impact that food, drink, alcohol had on my body, you know, that these kind of things that I think people take for granted. But you know, what I mean, I know I know more more about myself now at forty one um, than I do, uh, and I did when I was eighteen. You know what I mean? That was probably ignorance. That was probably a bit of arrogance that I didn't listen. Um, but now you know, now you know, I'm probably fitter now as a forty one year old than I was when I was eighteen, which is a scary thought, really. It must be a scary thought, and and for you now, obviously you've got your 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 own platform, your own show. You're also doing doing other work within the game as well. How important has that been for you mentally to sort of stay involved in football? Because you, you know, I've, I've said this to you off air and before. I'd even arranged to get you on. I enjoy the show because I, I enjoy interviewing players and managers, but I love it especially when you get a former player interviewing another a current or former player because they've maybe got some of the unique insights about a certain character or a certain instant as a fan we only maybe read about so how much are you enjoying that side now ah uh, listen i think if it wasn't the sh- if it wasn't for the show uh, and other bits i do uh, obviously at middles football club and at cardiff city and stuff uh, like talking and, and sharing my experiences i think i'd be really struggling um because it's given me that that um opportunity to to, to put a platform on myself and to, and, to, and to do something that I really loved. You know, I really miss football because one minute you're football and the next minute you're not. And what fills that void? The only thing that fills that void is, is by watching football, by, by, by going to football and by doing it. And with what's gone on in the world, uh, we haven't been able to do that. So the show's been a, a godsend for me uh, and, I, and I hope it's helping other people and, uh, and, I, and I know it has. So if, if that can continue, that's great. And, you know, I love it, Callum, because I, I talk to ex-players and, Players who I've played with, who, uh, who I know, I've got a, an agenda which I want to go down a route of a question. You know what I mean? And 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 if I get there quicker than than I want, it's great. You know what I mean? Because uh, I've been there. You know what I mean? I know if people have fallen out with managers because I've done it myself. Uh, if they've sent out a tweet which is it shouldn't have done, I've done it myself. Um, they've had, uh, they've made mistakes on a night out, I've done it myself. Uh, they scored a goal in the playoff final, I've done it myself. You know what I mean? There's those similarities with a lot of people that I've had on my show, and it's and it's great. You know that. Um, players are just normal human beings, and 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 especially nowadays, I think fans don't relate to players now because they're so hard to get to. 
Whereas back in the day when, when I played, uh, I've got a great relationship with fans because we used to talk to fans in the pub. We used to talk to fans after games. We talked to, pe- to fans on social media. And I think the gap between players now is, is too big. Um, I think fans and players need to be able to relate to each other because if it wasn't for fans, players wouldn't be as big as they are. And forget money. You know what I mean? Money's not there. Money's not the driving force, you know what I mean? Because money comes and goes and careers come and goes. Because when people aren't footballer anymore, you know what I mean? They're a, they're, they're a nobody, so to speak. And, and I found that out very quickly. And um, and, and I just hope that the that, that players understand that. Absolutely. I think that's a very positive message. And I certainly find that. And you probably know this. Obviously, you played the game, so you'll have connections that way. But I've always found that the guys who played in those early Premier League years, maybe to... to to maybe just before the mid two thousands, many of them are very accessible because they love their career and and they they just love the opportunity to talk about it. Whereas as you've said, in ten or fifteen years time, I can imagine that maybe some of the guys who are playing now will be much harder to get at, to get a hold of because yeah. they've had agents for their full career, they've got other interests, and they've maybe been trained in a way that they maybe wouldn't feel comfortable sitting like we are just now for, for 50 minutes to an hour having a chat about football and experiences. Well, I think it's a shame, Callum, because, you know, just just normal human beings, you know, that, that there's no difference between um, John Smith on the street and, uh, and a Premier League footballer who's played 500 games and is a multi-millionaire, you know, that they're, they're both at 40-year-old, they're both just normal people again and, uh, there's no success stories, you know. What I mean, I just think, I just think players need to understand that, you know. What I mean, it's nice to give something back and, and talk about it. Could play as fans certainly want to hear um, a player's insight on their career. Uh, they want to, they want to hear just some funny stories and just, just be able to relate them because, um, because not every, not everybody, the, 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 the small percentage of, a, of of someone who's very lucky makes it at the top level and be a be a Premier League star. So you know, what I mean, I think sometimes it's nice to give that back and. And some of the people that I spoke to, and I know you spoke to, to some, it's 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 nice to to some of those to give something back, and um, you know what I mean. And some of them are amazing, and some of the stories, it just just to give back to fans and and let let, let people enjoy listening to them is just is surreal and amazing, and I, and I hope that can continue. Absolutely. Well, just before I let you go, Andy, a few quick fire ones for yourself. Um, who would you say was your toughest opponent or toughest opponents? Uh, I, I've always picked two because uh, I just can't differentiate with them both. So I'd say Japsam. And Sol Campbell because they, they both reminded me every time I played against them they were they were horrible to play against because they had they had a lot you know what I mean they were both quick and strong and and, and I didn't get much change out of both of them um, so yeah I'll, I'll pick those two. You played with so many top talents in your career but is there any player or a couple of players that you think were maybe underrated or went under the radar for whatever reason? Um, yeah, yeah, I'd probably say quite a few, yeah, but I'd, I'd, I'd probably say one one of Middlesbrough always stood out was Craig Hignett. Um, I, I used to love Craig, you know what I mean? The, the, his, his, his desire, you know, he had a great upbringing at Crew Alexandria at the time. That there was loads of those stars who, who, uh, who got the got the got the game time through Dario Grady and stuff. But yeah, for me, Craig was a phenomenal footballer and never got the plaudits that he fully deserved. He probably only got them when he went there to Blackburn Rovers or maybe to Barnsley in the Premier League. But I think at Middlesbrough, he was a top top player. And in terms of those stars, which which of them would you say were the best to play with? I imagine you could just reel off a big list. To be fair, yeah, there's loads. I'll probably I'll, I'll pick one from a country, one for for, for Middlesbrough at the time. Because for me, Janino, I, I, I know about the first time. For me, the Janino, the first time he came, he was untouchable. He was fireproof, uh, and that was because of the way that he handled himself, the way that he played, and and the desire he had to play for Middlesbrough Football Club. And it was that was amazing. Uh, and for my country. Um, I'll probably go for Stevie G because you know what I mean. He had he had a lot. Um, his his range of passing, his desire, um, and just 
just his all round just generosity as a nice guy, you know, that he always wanted the best for the for the country, for, for, for the players and for the group. And uh, and that's key for me because there's no selfish uh, place in, in football in the team. And in terms of the, the coaches that you've had, we've talked about Brian Robson, we've talked about Lenny Lawrence. Are there any others that had a real lasting impact on your career? Um, yeah, Hold Wilkinson had a, had, a, had, a, had a huge part to play. Um, but Chris Wilder, for me, uh, stands out as well. You know, it was towards the end of my career at Halifax Town. He was getting on his, his, his start of his managerial career and I could tell he was going to go to the very top. You know what I mean? The way he handled himself, a pure man-manager. He could get the best out of any single player. If that's an experienced player like myself or if that's a 16-year-old or an 18-year-old young player, he would treat everybody the same. No favourites, no iron team and, and he was a, a phenomenal person and a man-manager. And just on Chris Wilder, obviously he's out of work at the moment as we're speaking. Where do you think he deserves to end up next? Do you think he deserves another Premier League job considering the season, the first season that he had in the top flight with Sheffield United? Or do you think he might need to go into the Championship and maybe build a club to get back to the Premier League? Um, I think he deserves an opportunity. Uh, you know, I think his, his record speaks for itself. I think, uh, I think obviously pre-COVID, you know what I mean? You see... Uh, Chris's teams respond to fans. You know, what I mean, the way that he plays. You know, what I mean, he has that he has the fans on the side because the work rate and is key. You know, what I mean, I think without any fans, it's it's hard for his teams to relate to to, to a normal game. Um, I, I believe he's had an opportunity. I know he's been linked to the Celtic job along with Eddie Howe. Um, that could be obviously interesting to him, but I think probably more probably the the bigger chance would be a, a team who's coming down probably from a Premier League to, to the Championship to get him back up and. Um, he's used to working with, 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 with big players. He's, he's, he's got a reputation of getting um, the lesser-named players up and getting the best out of them. You know what I mean? Just look at those, those Sheffield United players he's gotten from the from League One up to the Premier League and, and now sustainable Premier League players so, and international players. So um, he's got a good credibility and I'm sure he'll be back in work as soon as possible. And the last one I've got for you, very straightforward and simple. How can we access your show and how can we follow you as well on social media? Uh, well, my own personal is uh, on Twitter and Facebook, on Instagram. I think I'm Andy Campbell 32 on Twitter. Um, uh, you know, what I mean, my my DMs are always open. If anybody wants to ask me questions or get me on anything, I'm, I'm, I say I love talking about my own career. I don't do it often enough. It'll be my own show. My own show is the Andy Campbell Football Show. Uh, it's on all platforms. We're live every Monday. We're on tonight, um, uh, and then we're live on a Friday talking about Championship and Championship only. Um, so yeah, really enjoy it. It's it's a platform which uh, it's kept me sane for over a year now and uh, and absolutely love it love doing it well it's a, it's a show that I enjoy as well so if you're listening Thanks, to this and you've not listened to Andy's show follow Andy go and look at it the championship's a crazy league some massive clubs in there Forest always come to mind Derby so many others are in there Middlesbrough of course and if you follow Andy's show you'll get all that insight Andy once again thank you so much for joining me fabulous thanks for your time mate so we'll dive down to the ocean and we'll make our home in a deep sea cave And our shells will all be open They'll be filled with song, they'll be filled with song We'll dive down to the ocean And we'll make our 